All right, someone else uh, can intro the show. you'd let me drive one day when we got to a game about drinking because i'm an expert on all things drinking <laughs> you're an expert dd let me put it that way i think that's actually <laughs> dd champ of all time Garrett's the ultimate dd the ultimate dd that stands for uh drunk drinker and that's me <laughs> i drink all the time every time um, i drink i drunk <laughs> i've played a lot of drinking games i'm an expert at beer pong and um cup flipper and the other ones Mm-hmm. And just uh, overall, I'd, I i mean, I don't even remember college. That's how drunk do you I ever do you ever have people like during, you know, those parties who look at you and they go, whoa, 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 you can't play. You can't play cup flip. You're not drinking. It's not fair. You have an advantage because you're still sober. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I did have those people. And what that's kind of tryhards actually. <laughs> <laughs> they can't they can't lose, dude. It's very it's a very big deal. I have never lost a game of flip cup in my life. In my 20 years of life, I've never lost a game. The of higher <laughs> the higher the collar was popped, the higher the chance that they would say something along those lines. So God, I miss that. Yeah, no, there's a there's a direct correlation. But yeah, Grab no, a course I, right now and chug it. Prove to me that you drink. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roll and Move, the internet's one and only podcast that takes a look at the worst, weirdest, strangest games that we can get our hands on, uh, specifically those of the board and card variety. And uh, today is no different. We'll be looking at a lovely, lovely drinking game. Uh, but first, let me introduce us. I am one of the co-creators of Rough Drop Games and driving today because I did not forget my mic when I went on vacation, Garrett Lively. And with me, as always, is... I'm still going to... I'm just going to take your slot. I did not forget my mic. See, look, here it is. Microphone in hand. It's just re- it's anything. just rendered it? inept. Tell, tell me, if you were I to drive a car and you a forgot dongle. your tires at home, would you say that you... Thomas, you just <laughs> forgot the car. I didn't forget the, the car, that's Pringles, for buddy. <laughs> I, I didn't car. forget the car. Look. It's part of the car. You, you can't hear this. This works as a microphone. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> All I need is a really long, really long piece of yarn going all the way to. Well, what's to, your name, friend? My name is Thomas Youngerberg. That is my name, and I am one of the creators of Rough Draft Games. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a goober. I came back to Georgia for a little bit, a little birthday gift, travel, see the family, and uh, forgot the USB C connection. Dang it! Rookie mistake. And yeah, also with you're... us here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, go. No, that's good. No, I was, I was going to transition out of it. You want me to keep making a fool? No, of no, myself. no, no. You're good. You're good. And also two, with us, two hosts in the kitchen is pretty strange today. So, <laughs> uh, Jeff Lee, um, you know, as I age, I think there's a short window where alcohol is, uh, you know, you kind of drink alcohol in your in your early or I guess late teens, early early years in college, mm-hmm. and then age really hits you, and yeah. then any sip of alcohol just hits you tenfold. But then also some people start having kids, so you need that alcohol more. I think I think I really start to get why people struggle with alcoholism when they hit their you know hit hit their hit their what mid mid year what's it what's it midlife midlife crisis. Yeah, I start, every, everyone I turn thirty, so that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's, I mean we we've, we've always been a bunch of heavy drinkers, especially in our Garrett out of the South especially by Southwests and everyone who goes. 
Who was the most heavy drinker during all the uh, the free alcohol that was given out in those festivals? In are, are we Who going? Are we going by like total number of drinks or uh, level of drunkenness? Uh, let's let's do both. Let's do both. To- total number of drinks is, is probably you, uh, yeah. and that's because any, anytime I got drink tickets, I'd, uh, Thomas being the the deal the deal finding kind of man that he is, was like, "Hey, you're not going to use those, are you?" I'd, no, I'm not <laughs> and that's not a testament on alcoholism. It's a testament on a good deal. And yes, <laughs> I knew the answer to that question. Yet I still asked it every time. You're like, hey, you're gonna use that? <laughs> yeah, you're you deciding to drink today or no? No, today was a break. It was never the day. It was never the day. So Thomas always got my drink tickets at South by Southwest. Uh, most drunken was probably Allison, and that was after one kombucha. So <laughs> was uh, that playing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Was that playing uh, the um, Titanic, Titanic game? Titanic board game. Yeah, yeah that wasn't to... even that wasn't even out and about. That was like at home <laughs> with all the Allison, girls. Allison's alcohol tolerance is legendarily low. So you see, the, the the reason that I am I am with her is because it saves me a couple bucks she when I go you, out. And so she it's she a wheel and a deal. Drink tickets. That's right. <laughs> I see. Thomas, I get it now. You're just getting handed drink tickets from like three or four. Your whole life is in one big thing. What, you think I'm going to waste them? Never. Never. If I wasted them, we wouldn't be able to play games like we're playing today. And uh, I, I was sort of thinking about it. This is this is one of those games that, like, I, drinking games are sort of their own genre. Even though sort of they bleed out into the other the other right. areas and the other wheelhouses of games, card games, uh, board yeah. games, dexterity games. It's interesting. I Sometimes social deduction. Yeah, a little bit, right? Like who took who took my limoncello? Which one of you assholes took the limoncello that I was storing? Uh, I didn't take your limoncello. <laughs> Let me smell your breath. It smells like a Jolly Rancher. You're a piece. Give of me, shit. give me my limoncello. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've tried to play like coup and resistance with drunk people, and it, it does. It never goes well, especially if oh, yeah. you have to get everybody to close their eyes and confirm who's who's. They doing just fall asleep. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't play an actual board game, you know, with no. like actual like winners and losers uh, that there are some really fun drinking games though that aren't yeah but they, they kind of yeah they span dexterity to um like king's cup and a bunch of different games too so well, yeah. well today today we're taking a look at someone some a game designer that uh had a little bit of a little masochism in them because they put together drinking uh card games and rpgs and that is just the wildest combination that i've ever i mean that's basically a uh Anything with numbers is the last thing you want to do. Yeah, Yeah. when you're like drinking, but good. Hey, I used to do head math to check to see how drunk I was. Like if I if I could like remember my times tables, I'd be like, (laughs) okay, I think I'm all right. (laughs) I got up. I got up to the elevens. This uh, I can. I I got. I got through the ones. Um, (laughs) I think I'm okay. Uh, but yeah, today we're playing Drinking Quest from 2011, a, a game that basically takes the RPG tropes of you know dungeon exploring, wizards, a lot of wizards, uh, you know trolls, dwarves, all your all your legendary uh, heroes of myth, and uh, and adds drinking components to it as you're as you're questing. If you don't defeat your enemy, you're going to be taking a sip of your beverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drinking Quest was, like I said, came out in 2011 by Jason Anarchy, uh, who has, has put out a, a number of games I was looking through here, uh, mostly in the, and actually they have a, uh, a little moniker here, Games for the Hardcore Casual. 
So they do <laughs> they do a bunch of games that are you know easy to squeeze in in a night, and you can get the uh, casual player. But that's really little, accurate. That's really yeah, accurate yeah. with this. Yeah, has a little wow. wink and the nod to the to the hardcore gamer. Uh, but something that you could basically get anybody to play. So they've they've put out another number of other games. Uh, Haiku Warrior, Heck, a tiny card game. Uh, <laughs> Le Neckbeard, a casual gar- card game for casuals. <laughs> Newfound Jam. And, if only uh, it said Dirty Casuals, then I would have bought that game. <laughs> Filthy Cashies. And uh, also the middle class of Middle Earth, which I, is not a game, but a uh, seven-inch vinyl. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure Ooh, what, uh, what comes out on that. Yeah, but some interesting stuff from Jason and Arky Games. And also they they hired a tattoo artist to basically do all the art here in Drinking Quest. Uh, so they've got some some cool stuff going on that really brings together a, a lot of like these worlds of you know people that are into you know people that are into D and D basically. Uh, D and D night. You got your beer lovers. You got your uh, tattooed. You got the tattooed fedora wearing guy. You got the uh, you got the guy that probably is drinking a two liter of Mountain Dew and he's got his own bag of you know Cheez Its. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course you you got you got the the ultra nerd. And uh, we we've got three of the four here. We j- we're just missing the tattoo artist, but we'll take a stab at it. Did you yeah, guys know? Um, I'm looking through his game. Uh, like all the games he's listed as designer for. That um, do you guys remember that your friend is sad game that we came across on Kickstarter? Yeah, yes. um, he is actually the designer for that game. So oh, really, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice, but I I, I didn't realize till I kind of went through just now on Kickstarter. So kind of cool. Mm. I don't see that on his website, but he does have a drinking quest flask that you can use to accompany your adventure. And uh, <laughs> there's not a world here. I, or at least I don't think there's a world. There's no no world building here, but. Let's uh, let's break open the box uh, and just see what we have in this small card game that is drinking. Quest. You crack so, open the mm-hmm. crack it open the bottle. The old. Crack, yeah. let's shake it out. What's inside? Oh, it's got just... the box opener here. Just pop that. Pop the top <laughs> on that. Open up Drinking Quest, and you have what the the game lists is eighty unique cards, uh, including it's basically all cards. The, the whole game is cards, and then a, a D six, a D eight, and a D four. Uh, of those 80 cards, four of them are going to be the four characters that you can take on. In our version of the game, you had basically the the uh, the uh, what do you the warrior strapping young the lad Chad. with a lot of health. Yeah, right. Uh, the one with the sexual prowess rating of 15. He's uh, he's got a beer in a hand and sword in the other. He doesn't need a shield because uh, he's he's never going to get hit. He's going to take his enemies out in one one swoop. You've uh, you've of course got the uh, the old, the old guy that has uh, seen a lot in his day, um, the guy with uh, the smarts, the uh, the wisdom that's uh, he's been through the ringer, and uh, wields an axe, of course, because he's a little bit shorter, a little more portly. More you dwarf. Know. He's he's a dwarf, right? He doesn't explicitly say dwarf, dwarf, but his name is Bartlebutt. So I guess thought it was a dwarf. I thought it was. I thought this was because we have an elf in the game as well. So I assumed. Yeah, he's, that, he's uh, like a short Odin. He's got an eye patch. And uh, he lost his pants. <laughs> Fascinating. But I forgot to say Chuglox was the, the warrior. Dacarine, the uh, elf princess. She, she's, uh, all, you know, also fairly good looking. Probably has a little bit more uh, magic. Uh, a lot of tolerance. Uh, high sexual prowess and smarts. And, you know, extremely high self-worth, as, as, any, as any woman does in a group of... Uh, Especially an elf, man. They've been around for a thousand years. And then finally, what... 
what heroic duo, not duo, quadro, true quattro, trio, quattro, quartet. What 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 heroic uh, fellowship isn't complete without the <laughs> annoying sidekick? Probably an ogre. Sam, goblin maybe. <laughs> goblin. Would you say it's Sam from Lord Sam, of the Rings? Sam, Sam, Samwise Gamgee. Sam yeah. Wise Gamgee. Just for the emo- the most annoying character in any movie you can think of. That guy, Sam. Uh, Batman. <laughs> Batman's Batman a, a sidekick. I hate Batman. Batman. That's true. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God, Batman. Mm-hmm. Just just get out of Robin's way. <laughs> Hold him back. Just any any of your favorite any of your the most annoying characters in any series. That's this guy. Uh, he's got some quotes such as "Anybody got a beer? Hello, guys. Oh, I'm so lonely." Uh, so those are your four characters, and then you have four decks of cards that are just your quests, and you're going to go on these quests and basically just perform skill checks. Uh, you each character has their own set of stats, uh, mostly going to be your uh, HP and your starting attack, which is going to list what type of die you roll. And then you have a bunch of different skill checks that you'll complete. And those are some of the stats I was throwing out earlier. Your sexual prowess, your tolerance, your self-worth, your mm-hmm. your uh, smarts, and, and so on and so forth. But basically, you're going to go on these four quests. You're going to flip a card. You're going to see if you can defeat a monster. And if you defeat it, you'll earn some money. You'll earn some XP. Between each of the four quests, you'll go into the shop. Use the money that you've accrued to upgrade your hero. And at the end of the four quests, whoever has collected the most XP at the end of uh, the four quests wins. There you go. That's it. Yeah, they had they made it a nice and simple RPG for people that are going to get increasingly and increasingly less tolerant mm-hmm. of <laughs> rules overhead. So right, <laughs> smart yeah. move there. It's like the simplest game that you can play. I think, or one of the simplest. Like, it's yeah, just a series of skill checks, right? Over and over and over. That's yep. it. Yeah, you just have to match up with the right skill check for the right situation, which could could get a little harder towards the end of it. Um, speaking of getting harder. Um, uh, so with this game, you have a uh, Garrett. Don't laugh. I said speaking of getting harder, and Garrett yeah. just turned beet red. It was <laughs> pathetic. I had to minimize the zoom camera because I didn't want to look at Garrett. <laughs> I knew How about this? Somebody was gonna laugh. Speaking of increasing difficulty, is that okay, children? Can we move on now? I'll edit that out. Don't worry. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> speaking of increasing harder. Speaking <laughs> speaking of getting just throbbing, pulsing difficulty. Uh, I'm much more composed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. Easier to work with that. Uh, the decks of cards do sort of—they have a very gentle slope as far as difficult difficulty goes. You start off with most of the uh, villains that you're beating, uh, the different monsters that are in your way. Their HP is one, two, maybe three, zero defenses, and so that's really a time that you're just able to accumulate your your money so that you can go into the shop and buy better weapons. But I will say. When I say there's a very gentle difficulty curve, I really mean it. By the end of the game, you can still... The hardest monsters that you're killing have like five, six life. I I think the hardest had eight and maybe two defense. So you're not... There's there's really not that much of a a difficulty curve. And I sort of imagined that there would be. We were going through the decks after, you know... We had skipped over, I think, number three just to save time so that we could record this on a, you know... We got a hard out, folks. On a budget. That's, yeah. Um, but we were looking through it, and there's not too much of a difference between the mechanics of the cards that you encounter in the first stretch of your journey versus the final stretch. Right. What did you guys think about that? Do you guys sort of yeah, like that gentle difficulty or a little lack? I wish that there was a little bit more 
I, I'm try I was trying to think of how um, you can kind of balance the game and also make it a little bit more interesting as you go up, as you level up. So what happened with me personally was I was able to purchase a an upgraded weapon uh, to a D8, and that's the highest that you can roll in the game is a D8. But there's a I could have gotten a D8 plus one. It was a little bit more expensive, and I felt like at that point I was able to I, I was pretty strong. Like I, even after the first level, I ha I got enough money. Um, mm. So I think that like after that, it didn't matter if I was playing two levels or three levels more. Uh, like you're saying, Tom, it didn't make. It, I was wasn't sure if I was gonna if level four is gonna be so hard for me to get through. But once we played it, it was really easy. It didn't seem like it was that difficult. So, yeah, I I, I would have liked if there was more items in the game, uh, so that there was this level of progression, uh, and that the items did more and more things, or there was more player interaction. I felt like that was kind of missing in the game overall. It just felt like we were just kind of rolling and checking um throughout like even at the end i had to ask garrett hey we're still getting gold like you still get gold for defeating people uh and level four but you don't really use gold for anything so i just felt like that was kind of strange yeah why are you getting gold why do they even yeah. have that on the card i see what you exactly mean. yeah and so just for the people at home i think um just to reiterate you win by how much experience that you collect and you collect that experience by beating these monsters so in my in my particular instance once you're kind of strong um, with a weapon, you can pretty much beat most monsters um, handily and just keep collecting experience. And at that point, it's just kind of luck of the draw of whether or not you're getting monsters early and often. I, I feel like I didn't get that many monsters. I actually got... There's other cards in the deck. I don't know if we went through this, but there's other skill checks in the deck. Skill checks, yeah. That you get like random successes or failures, like loser, loser gained money or something funny happens or... Or um, even stat increases too. Yeah, st stat increases, but they're not... They don't directly tie you to XP. But weirdly, I felt like I was getting a lot of those, but I didn't want to get them. I wanted to just fight more monsters because I wanted to just get experience. Right. And, um, I felt like in this game, the more the more chances you got to fight, the more uh, the, the more likely you would have won the game. But I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly on the on the combat part of that. Yeah, the the monsters don't get that much tougher, and I, I think the the skill checks are even worse actually because not only are they pretty much static? You're always competing against your own stats. Your own, you're just throwing a, you're making a saving throw, and it has to be lower than whatever your stat is in that category, and that doesn't change. That so, like at the end of the game, you're still throwing to check your self worth, and you can do that at the beginning of the game. And just to kind of illustrate my point, I brought out two cards: one from the fourth quest and one from the first quest that show kind of the penalties and the, the rewards for completing the skill check so both of these are self-worth skill checks and the quest one skill check if you perform the self-worth check and you succeed you gain 100 coins and if you fail your hero dies and the second one in quest four if you succeed uh you rate you gain 100 coins but if you fail you lose 40 coins but then gain 50 because rich people have a pretty sweet safety net and it's hard for them to fail yeah so not not only the joke, the not joke only is, is funny it, but from a mechanic standpoint yeah i see what you're saying it's like why are the consequences yeah. raised so early with that specific right. card for and a even similar dying, skill check? even dying doesn't feel that detrimental right like you if you die <laughs> when you're fighting <laughs> somebody you uh yeah if you if you die, you um, you don't get a chance to beat that monster that you're on, but you come back to life and you can you're able to continue on with the, the same right. quest. So you know I would rather have the attempt at more monsters and maybe potentially die once or twice 
then mm -hmm. just not get those monsters at all and not even get a chance to, to get more XP, which is what I felt like in, in my playthrough. I, I was like a little bit behind you guys in terms of, of XP. I think like I think you guys ended on 12, 13, and I ended on like 11. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but, it, was, uh, it was 13, 12, and 11. Yeah, but, I, but still, I just felt like I kept pulling those skill check cards, and I was right. like, I don't want any of these anymore. Like, they don't do anything for me in terms of winning the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And and in the shop, something that you can spend your money on is uh, something that adds plus one to your saving throws. So basically, making those easier. But you know, just again illustrating my point is the, the stakes aren't raised really. So and and in fact, you want to fight those monsters to earn the most the maximum amount of XP. I could see where it would it might be useful to like to keep doing those saving throws if the game was if maybe maybe because we played a condensed game, but. Maybe if the game was longer and those benefits were more, like, uh, they were better. Like, I, maybe. I think, I think not really. I think maybe if you had more control over what's coming up, like if you yeah. went into the dungeon and you're more likely to fight a monster there, or if you went to right. you know the shop and you're trying to negotiate yeah. a price for something yeah. like that, maybe you can make a case there. But when you're just straight up drawing these cards and you don't know whether you're going to get, you know, a a sexual prowess skill check or a smart skill check you know really it's just the luck of the draw you know if i have plus one to my smarts for my character that just takes me to a seven and if i'm rolling three dice you know You're slim chance i'm gonna pass yeah. that right? right but if i'm rolling sexual prowess at 15 that plus one i mean i'm, I'm probably gonna pass it flying with flying colors regardless so it, it's just it's completely luck of the draw and maybe that's going to help you, but it, it, to me, it's just pretty much negligible on on whether or not that's going to be a useful tool because you, you know so rarely are you right. using by plus the or one thing point. I kind of liked was um, so there was this item called Bellow Ale. It's basically like a, like a healing potion, and it's a variable healing potion. So you roll mm -hmm. a d six and you gain the HP that you get from that um, mm -hmm. from that d six. I bought it early because I had the money, and I, I unfortunately got a one, and I saw it only healed <laughs> one HP. But I kind of wish that that element was um, like in some of the other items. Like maybe when you got um, yep. when you got the items, you might get like a high, mid, or low tier. I think we saw this with Forgotten Waters. We played it, obviously not on this podcast. It was an actually a good game. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, well, then it's a classic. It's a classic RPG element yeah. of of rolling to see how much you level up. Right. Or, I mean, yeah. and, I mean, I'm sure D and D pioneered this, but yeah. I, I kind of just wish that that would have happened. Like you know, you see here that. There's there's an item in the game that's you know plus one to all saving throws. So you boost like Garrett's saying you boost all of them by one. I would mm -hmm. almost rather just pay the money and shore up, try to roll a d6 to shore up, possibly shore yeah. up one of my low ones. I think that would have made it a lot more interesting. Yeah, or um, a d4 would be probably a little more balanced. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. But like committing to one, you know, and like you know, you, you're right. You don't know if you're gonna get that. Um, right. Get that skill check, but you know, you don't really care about adding a plus one if you're already at 14 for one of them. You really care right. about shoring up your like your your threes and your fours and your skill check. I think I think the other thing of note in you know kind of when we're talking about the shop abilities is that each character has their own shop of their own weapons, and so there's a there's kind of a max that each character can do, which I think is interesting because really the stats are spread out in the skill checks like you know pretty pretty evenly like. Uh, my character had really really low smarts but really high sexual prowess, where Jeff's character had higher smarts than anybody else and, and higher self-confidence i think was his right mm -hmm. yeah. sure and and so and so it's interesting to see that but then 
what the thing you're facing most in the in the in the adventure is fighting monsters and so you want to have a high attack power and that's the only thing that's consistent throughout right, right. you're most likely to fight somebody but there's a right. clear discrepancy over the power and your attacks as you're going through that's a really um, good point because your character starts with a d6 attack meanwhile my right. character started with a d4 attack and if yeah, the right. only way to gain experience and win the game is by defeating monsters if you're picking characters there is no reason that you would choose my character over Garrett's. Yeah, I do think that there is an imbalance between the characters, especially because the the skill checks, that part of the mechanics seems kind of weak in terms of comparing to the the combat. Like, yeah, so Garrett starts with a D6. I also start with a D6, but my upgraded item costs 150, whereas Garrett's costs 160. And (laughs) my upgraded item is better. It's a D8 versus his is a D6 plus one. So it's just, it seems like... The later yeah, game like, sort of out evens it out. Maybe is that what they were going for? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think my biggest trouble with it. So there, I think this game has a lot going for it. Um, I think you know, and it's hard because when I heard that it's like a casual, what was the term? Casual. Um, it, it is games for the hardcore casual. The hardcore casual, like that, makes me take pause because. It is hard to once you start layering in all these other things. What time? At what point does it become bogged down for a, a casual player? Um, so you know they may or may not care about complete balance. They might just care about kind of the the fun and the wittiness of it. And we haven't quite touched yet on the card humor. Um, so I think mm-hmm. we we should probably touch on that too to kind of let the viewers or the listeners right. um, get a complete score. But from the mechanics perspective, I think there's a there's a little bit left on the table. I think you know there it's definitely not balanced. Um, but but I think you know maybe because of who their target audience was that's that might be forgivable. Uh, I will argue that I would take the D six plus one over the D eight and because you game. always get a guaranteed plus one. Yeah, so the your I think your expected value is even, right? Um, but yeah. you you have the possibility of getting an eight, where I have the possibility of only getting a seven. But you have the possibility of getting a one, one. where I only have the possibility of getting, getting a two. two. Is yeah. my lowest. Yeah. So, but. But I, I do agree it's it's roughly equal and I mine was more expensive and yours goes to a D eight plus one and mine goes to a D six plus two yeah. which is uh, you know uh, it, it, there's there's definitely discrepancies in there right, so it, right. and and so like uh, Tom's character who starts with a D four plus one and then his highest is a D eight at one seventy five and yours is a D eight at one sixty that that makes no sense to me <laughs> there's <laughs> like, just a couple things underpowered, that don't yeah. seem that there's a couple things that don't seem quite necessarily balanced or taken into consideration yeah. for this and one of the biggest things that i think sort of escapes the genre and i spoke of this earlier sort of the genre of drinking games whether it's dexterity based or card based or board game based you are always going to see player interaction being the cornerstone of all drinking games because it's a social aspect, right? right? Even with like whether you want what do you circle of death, you know, you're you're choosing people, you're making rules, you're interacting yeah. with each other, you're calling, calling each other out, out when they yeah. break those rules and you're forcing them to drink. With uh with dexterity games, you know, you're bouncing, you know, you're playing pong, you're smacking the other person's ball away when they try and bounce it. It requires you to talk talk smack to one another. There's yeah. interactions here is the only piece of actual player interaction where you have to interact with another was my character's special ability where I could uh, take 20 coins from Garrett from another person during a quest by saying a bad <clears throat> catchphrase for my character. Right. Yeah. We that didn't was even the touch, only time. Yeah. We didn't even touch on, um, I guess, our, our special abilities yet. Huh? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just. Yeah. I think they're pretty dismissible. Honestly, my mine. Uh, I could have you perform a saving throw for self worth, and if you fail, you have to finish your drink. Um, and mm-hmm. so mine was like completely meta. Like <laughs> yeah, know, like that. That's not going to influence your performance in the game yeah. whatsoever. You're just see gonna... that. That's where it kind of like it needs to be all one or the other, or you know, or like if. If there are if the if the, if the game has elements throughout where you're making people drink and do planar reaction, but then they couple it with and you get a plus whatever or mm-hmm. um, you know you actually affect your your game outcome, then then I'm fine with that. But it's it's really unfair that you get something that's completely for you know for meta for the the drinking social aspect of it, and then mine is you can roll twice like roll two yeah. consecutive attacks, which is like legitimately good. So like in in the game at least. So yeah, it it just seems kind of weird. Like they they can't quite decide what kind of game they are. Um, And I think that's where I have some issue with it. And then like, I think if if people have played, if any of our listeners have played Red Dragon Inn, it's very, very similar to that game. But Red Dragon Inn does incorporate a lot of those elements of social, um, social drinking along with like a, like a, like a score mechanism. It's a better um, meld. It's like yeah. it, it is a better meld because you have the sliding scales. Totally different game, but check that out if you want to see sort of like Jeff is saying the those two mechanics and the social aspect really working together. Here, it almost feels like you could play it in a bubble. Like yeah. it's it is very oh, much yeah. on its own. Mm-hmm. It's weird Absolutely. because like this game does incorporate like I, again what trips me up is that they know they're self aware enough to call themselves a hardcore casual and they. They like you know introduce like the inventory or the shop mechanic, and obviously Red Dragon Inn doesn't do any of that stuff. It's very it's a lot more simplistic play, um, mm-hmm. and they lean in towards a social aspect of it. So like I don't know if you know I can dismiss the fact that they they kind of fumbled on it because they know that they're kind of a hybrid, or if I sh- or if I should just say well they should have just done it. You know they should have just leaned into being. Um, a more in-depth game or leaned out and then been more of a casual game. Another another aspect of this game, because we lifted a lot from RPG uh, RPGs and their mechanics and their point systems. One thing they didn't really lift a lot of is the storytelling aspects of it. Like with Red Dragon, and I feel like that, that actually has a lot more replayability because the, the story is you're a bunch of heroes who are converging to this inn, and the story all takes place inside this one location. Whereas here, you have, uh, you're apparently going to four different locations i couldn't tell is there a deeper story that we didn't necessarily catch on to here garrett because like all the quest seems the same it seems like you're encountering the same tonally monsters they don't look the same by any means the art for this game is great we'll talk about that later Um, so 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 the mm -hmm. quests are specifically named so the quest one was meadheim quest two was cursed wizards and we encountered many wizards and i I think it's mostly just going to be the type of the type of uh, enemies that you're going to be coming across. Quest three was Walk and Guard, and Quest four was Lords of Whiskey Deep. Um, so there's a, a little bit of over, not overlap, but there's a little bit tying. There's a little bit of theme within those uh, quests. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, the easiest one to point out is the Cursed Wizards, because all of them are these wizards that you're fighting, and like different, uh, different like old wizards are going to have you pass like skill checks of, of wisdom and stuff like that. There's like a nine to Harry Potter and stuff. Right. But, but for the most part, there's not really like you shuffle the deck and you, you play it out. So the, it, it, I think it's hard to kind of have a micro game and not, this isn't necessarily a micro game, but have a, a game of cards where you shuffle and flip over 
uh, unless you do something like Legendary, where you have like specific decks of cards and you always draw from that deck. And not first. to compare to Red Dragon in one, like too much again, but like in that game, there's not much story in it. I mean, you, you do have the the setting of you're at a tavern and you're drinking, but a lot of the games, a lot of the cards show up over and over again. So I'm like mm-hmm. re, re- looking at it again because I haven't played that game in some time. But it's like gam- there's a gambling card and everyone plays their gambling cards. Like I raise or there's a winning hand or there's like the cheating card. Um, right. But those games get shuffled in and come back up again. So it's not like in this in this case when you're going on these quests, you see these cards once and then you don't see them again, which to me is like leaning more towards a storytelling element. So again, like I'm kind of torn. Like I, right. you know, they do do a little bit better of a job of trying to weave in. It's a loose story. I'm not saying it's like very, it's mm-hmm. not like a coherent plot, but they do have this like this idea of like, you're going to encounter this one unique monster once and then you won't see him again. So like, yeah, you know, like, I, I feel like I, I feel like that there has to be if you're doing an adventure, there usually is some sort of goal. If you're starting an yeah. RPG game and you have a good dungeon master, uh, what they'll usually do is they'll say, what do you guys want to accomplish? What kind of adventures do you want to be? Do you want great riches? Do you want great knowledge? Do you want great? Uh, do you want to change the world? Right. They, there's sort there's some sort of goal when it comes to an adventuring game and an adventuring genre. And the reason that I think Red Dragon in works, even though the cards come up again and again, is the goal is to converge in this inn and tell stories and drink each other under the table. That is the stated goal. Here, the goal is... uh, Get XP, question mark? Get XP. Yeah. (laughs) And and cohesively, even though there's more locations, even though that there's more uh, unique art, I feel like there's less story here and there's less, especially for something. And the reason that story, I know it's a drinking game, but if, if you're going to incorporate the adventuring RPG aspect, I feel like that there's a couple of things that usually are incorporated or I feel like people might necessarily want to see your experience, which is the purpose. I don't know why I'm going on these journeys. I don't know what, yeah. what these characters want. I don't know why I'm doing it. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like I, when it came down to it, all I wanted to know was, did I get? Am I getting a chance to get XP? Um, and I didn't really care about much else. I mean, uh, may, maybe it's a good time to start talking about what's on the cards. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I actually wanted to say something about that too, and that, and specifically what's on the cards. I think they took a little bit too much of the pages of the Munchkin playbook. And that is to say that, like, the cards, like, have good art and good good text on it. And actually, I think they have is, really good art, too. Well, really yeah. good humor as well. Like, there's some right. funny stuff in this game. It's really, yeah. and I, it's really good. Well, I, I would say even the writing on the cards individually is even better than anything you'd find in, in Munchkin. They're, they're funny. Like, the, there is talent in the people that are writing these cards. And they can put little pieces. Of, it's almost like reading, uh, what's the Chaucer novel? Um the one that he didn't finish. Canterbury Tales. Thanks, Cat. Cat just screamed that out from behind me. It's almost like that where you have like these individual like stories, little pieces yeah. of stories, but they, mm-hmm. they don't really form one cohesive unit. Uh, and and I agree, it, it doesn't bring the whole thing together. And it's almost like um, what I was referring to with the Munchkin comparison is that these cards are funny the first time they come up and it's fun to read it once but then when you're playing the game stale. in future yeah in future scenarios it's like oh it's this card again and you just ignore the text um generally in a, in a party game or a drinking game you want to have something where people can add their ad lib or add their own you know twist to it um or at least have a little bit of variability with interaction as cards against humanity or something does yeah how how do you, you encounter have, the card and what situation exactly. does it come up 
exactly. So yeah, I, I think we should talk about the art and and the writing and the and the the humor that goes in there because it's it's good. Um, but you know, it's good for one playthrough, and I, I think that's where Munch can kind of suffers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, what they how they counter that is they just have a million expansions. <laughs> right? <laughs> there's like there's way more. There's like an insane amount of Munchkin expansions. But yeah, I agree with you. Like the, the art is extremely similar to Munchkin. Um, the the text is similar. It re- also reminds me of, um, you know, there's there's a lot of casual games now, like things like um uh exploding kittens and like i think it's called unstable unicorns like it's kind of like you know really tongue-in-cheek kind of humor um you know you know they're they're writing lampoony about serious topics and it's funny i I really do enjoy um uh the text in this game but like you said like the next time i read uh for example you're a lizard harry like it's not it's gonna the the luster is gonna lay off like wear off it's not gonna be as Mm -hmm. funny as the first Mm -hmm. time we saw it so. And if it was, if it if it does wear off, you want the mechanics to be able to carry the the use and the practicality of the card yeah. to sort of outweigh the humor, right? Right. If it's just another monster card that you just bop on the head, collect the XP, and move on, hmm. you know, it's it leaves a little wanting. I, I think I it's feel really like, hard because, like, oh, go ahead, Tom. I, I was just gonna say, I, I sort of feel bad because I feel like we're 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 burying the game. We walked away from this game going, that was actually kind of fun. Yeah, uh, like I liked I liked the game. I thought that the art was really good. I thought that the uh, the I thought that it that it very mu- well much earned the moniker of a uh, hardcore game for casuals. Yeah, uh, with the the management of points and dice, and you still get the dice rolling aspect. So it's very much still like you're on, you know, you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I, but it's all simple, and you can teach it to somebody in five minutes too. Right. So yeah. the game does a lot of stuff right, but it's I don't I don't know I don't know what's what's missing here. What yeah, guess? it's hard. For, I, I'm just re- it's really it's going to be really tough for me to score this game. I think because do I score it on replayability, which I'll, I'm sure I'll dock it for, or do I score it for like what I experienced the first time? And similarly, like if you looked at like if I were to play a legacy game, it's the same thing, right? Like obviously, if I were to score it on my experience. The first time it's gonna be fantastic, but if you play a legacy and the second time it's gonna be awful because you know whatever you know everything that's gonna happen or everything that might happen, right? So um, I think it's tough. Like it, this clearly isn't like it's not at the level of like strategy as maybe like a legacy game is where you know what might come up or you have you can kind of anticipate some of these things. Um, it is kind of fun the first playthrough, um, but. Man, if they didn't know, if and if they didn't explicitly say that they were hardcore for hardcore games for casuals, I would have like rated this completely differently. It's I think the self awareness to me like gives them some bonus points in my mind, um, and I, I and I acknowledge that it's really difficult to kind of fit this niche of of game. Mm-hmm. Well, I did you want to say anything else about the art, Tom? I know you enjoyed the. I enjoyed I enjoyed the art. I thought that the I I'm one of my I'll just throw this out there, a little highlight. I thought this was really clever. So one of the goblin special drink is some sort of I can't remember what it's called, but he, the idea is that he's very annoying and he's going to annoy one of the other players until they give him twenty bucks if he can Some make a saving throw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If he can make a saving throw for if they can't make a saving throw for some of their one of their skills. And the goblet is shaped like a speech bubble on a pedestal. It's just a really nice graphic design, sort of a, a take that they did there with that character and a, a, a really unique thing 
that I think they could have easily glazed over and not given it second thought, but they did. They did give it second thought. They did have attention to detail. I think Jeff's drink was in the shape of like the pants. pants. It was the, it was the pants that was uh, that his character is missing. Yeah. Uh, Drinks don't, I don't wear think, my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny. You know, the the visual humor here, I think, is uh, it's on point at least yeah. for a playthrough too. But then they have a consistency <laughs> issue. So like Garrett Garrett's card is like drunken philosophy, and he's just got a regular chalice. Like it's just like <laughs> yeah, bejeweled and golden, and there's nothing really like unique mm-hmm. about it. I think so. Yeah, I I agree with you. They're, they they do have some touches throughout, and I think part of this kind of shotgun approach that they they came with made it really difficult to keep that or maintain that level of consistency in terms of humor. Um, mm. Which, you know, I you know I get it. It's really hard. Like, making All Rise, I think, was something that we struggled with in terms of coming up with characters and evidence cards. And we had to make sure that every card had a similar amount of punch, right? Like, obviously, some cards are funnier, but you don't want some you don't want cards in the game that land really flat. And that's really hard to do, especially when you start adding more and more cards in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Well, before we get to our reviews, I do have a couple of reviews from the Board Game Geek community. I think that kind of, and, and I, I don't feel like I'm picking and choosing. There's not a ton of reviews here, um, at least written out, out written out reviews. But I, I do think these kind of illustrate our points. Uh, so we have one from XBlueJX who says, One of my favorites, Average Drinking Game. Fun cards to read aloud, always a best blast to play. This game does not get you as hammered as Drunk Quest. Uh, and he gave it a 7 out of 10. That's probably the most positive one here. But then I scroll down to Flarin, who says, Very good for a drinking game thematically. Ultimately, this won't see much playtime with me, but deserves a niche spot in my collection. I'd rate it higher, maybe an 8, if I knew it'd see more play. 6.5. Um, uh, I then... think my favorite is Jay Giblins, who <laughs> he's from Manchester, England, and he says, It is what it is. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the the only other one I saw is a fun blend of drink slash D&D themed play. Not a lot of opportunity for the better parts of either D&D or drinking games, though. Six out of ten. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of stuck in this limbo in between drinking game and uh, D&D slash RPG game. And uh, it, it, it's tough to kind of find its footing. Uh, one thing to note, this game was on Kickstarter. And it, uh, let's see, had... 3,400 backers, and they raised oh, wow. 140,000 Canadian dollars. I'm not sure what that translates over to. It's like pennies, right? U.S.? It's like pennies. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a couple like bucks. Five, I might give you some bubble bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, their goal was 15,000 Canadian dollars, so they'd smash it out of the park. Nice. And this was for the the, journey, the the edition that we played, the Journey into the Draft, the original 2011 edition. I'm not sure what all was different about it, but mm-hmm. We played the yellow Journey into the Draft uh, edition. I think so. that's. I think the game is right for that era. Like it came out in 2011. I think that was like you know kind of. But when did Cards Against Humanity come out? Like I hate to compare the two, but like you know kind of that mm-hmm. boxed humor, a little bit you know yeah. tongue in cheek. So that was yeah. So the original was 2011. This Kickstarter was 2016. So just FYI, as okay. far as when this one was coming out. So mm-hmm. they they were still you know still carrying on the trip, and, it, and it's been successful throughout the years. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they reprinted a couple of editions. Um, I'm not sure when Cards Against Humanity came out, but it was pre 2011. Yeah, I think you was, see yeah. a lot of these types of games at Target, like that are kind of mm-hmm. geared towards adults, or you know. Um, yeah that like they're they're funny but they're light they're not like you know they're not like rated r or anything like that mm-hmm. so 
All right. Well, uh, let's go into our reviews here. Um, one thing I will say as I go into mine is this game actually has the almost a perfect bell curve on uh, Board Game Geek. It has yeah. like almost matching scores on each side around the uh, the six that it was given. Um, points where I'll give it. I love the art. I appreciate the art. I appreciate a lot of the details that they brought to it. Um, I wish that some of that attention to detail had been given to the uh, story and the world building as well. I know there's no world building this. I know it's for casuals. I realize it's a drinking game. Chill out, Tom. Uh, but that is that really is one of my favorite aspects of, uh, of sort of RPGs. And where I think Red Dragon is able to get away with it and uh, live to tell the tale is that the story is very much centered around drinking in an inn. That is the story. This one is supposed to be about adventure. And it does not feel like you're going on an adventure. It feels like that you're just waiting to collect XP. So I guess it sort of feels like most uh, most online adventure games where you're just trying to grind your way up towards <laughs> get up the ladder. So maybe if that's what they were doing, really good job. Um, right. All being said, I did have fun while playing this. I enjoyed reading the cards. Uh, I, I thought that the humor was good. I liked that some of the cards that you could get, like if you passed or succeeded on certain skill checks, it would change your game permanently, either through a stat boost, or it would give you a special ability that you could do, like take someone else's drink and use it once per game. Um, those were nice little additions that I thought made it well-rounded. I don't regret playing, playing this game. It would have been fun to play through it and get drunk. Uh, I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a five point two okay awesome uh yeah i agree with a lot of those sentiments one thing that i am gonna kind of bring off points from where tom's at there as well though is the decision making which i value a lot in games um for the majority of the game you're not making decisions and really the only decision points there's a couple of cards that let you make decisions but those are few and far between i think i saw two as far as you had a choice to like just pay off somebody and and not let them or not try to even have a battle with them but mostly it's what you buy in the shop and when you're going to use your special drink your special power um and it just those are those happen what three times in the game Mm -hmm. and you get to choose your drink four times in the game so it just doesn't happen enough for me to to other than that it's just rolling your die and and seeing what happens which can be fun and I, i think probably that's good for a drinking game but you know, I I think it, it. I would like to have a little bit more decision. A little bit, like I said, you get to choose if you go into the dungeon or if you want to try and uh, go to the bar and and get a drink and increase your stats and increase your sexiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really the only thing I'm coming off bringing off points for on mine. Uh, however, in the spirit of the theme, I think I'm gonna roll. Should I roll a D4 <laughs> or a D6 to see? How about D4 plus one? It? D4+. D4 plus. Alright, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll a D4 plus 1. And, oof, I'm sorry. Drinking Quest, you didn't deserve this, but I rolled a 1. Oh. And, uh, you know, that's just the luck of the roll sometimes. So, that gives a 2 for my score. Yeah, I think um, you guys touched all the points. You know, I love the writing in the game. I think the art is fantastic. Um, it's hard for me because I think it's really hard when you're trying to judge a game, but you still had fun. Um, and, and you're trying to judge it from a critical perspective, but I will say like bonus, like plus points for adding a shop and having that be part of this RPG. It's very key to RPG elements. I, I, I agree with Thomas. I, I was missing the story. Uh, I think the level progression wasn't steep enough. Um, I, I wish there was more player interaction. Um, 
And I, I like, a boss. And like like Garrett said, I, I wish that there was uh, like more um, decision making in the game. That being said, like you know, it's one of those things that like how do you define a game? It's it's super loose. Like we've had people tell us it's all rise a game, <laughs> and they're <laughs> right. like it's just, it seems like an activity. But I'm like yeah, but you had fun, and then now now I'm in, I'm on the other end. I'm like well, <laughs> do I consider right. this a game? But I had fun. Um, yeah, I, I think I have to give it points for the creative writing and the creative nature of the game. Uh, I, I think I'm happy giving it a five. Awesome. Well, that brings the Rough Draft Boys average to a 4.07. Uh, Board Game Geek has this at a 6.3, which I think we would have been significantly closer to had I not uh, rolled the dice there, quite <laughs> literally. Uh, we, are, we are about two points off on that, and uh, that's... Like I said, a 6.3. That's out of 75 ratings. And the original Drinking Quest had a 6.2 off 73 ratings. Mm-hmm. Again, this is probably going to be a bit more of the casual gamers, as we saw you know, many, many backers on, on Kickstarter for the uh, for the reprint. So mm-hmm. that being said, you know, it was a moderately successful game. And it, and it looks like they have some cool stuff. So go check out Jason Anarchy Games. And uh, they, they the humor is definitely a, an essential component to what they're putting out. And it looks like they have some some good stuff here so all in all i'd I'd totally suggest you know if you if you want a little niche drinking game to have on your shelf and pull out Mm -hmm. uh at a party for no one that's ever seen it i I think it's a great thing to pull out so i i I, one of the few games on this show that i would endorse and say hey you should go out and buy this for uh 25 bucks on their website not bad not too bad at all Hmm. well tom i uh i think it's about that time in the show when you tell them how they can talk to us oh uh do, do you want me to do it or do you want do you want to do it or, or I, you know? I gotta i gotta stick to what i know and uh, i only know our email address oh, okay well that, my, my <laughs> i don't remember all the other stuff <laughs> <laughs> well if you guys would like to reach out to us with your favorite drinks your own custom brews that you would like to shoot our way hey we're, we're always i'm pretty sure garrett garrett garrett's a full-on bartender right you know your way around the bar right you don't I drink don't but you do yeah, I, both of those things are true. Yes, yeah. that and I, I'll put you to work. I'm going to have you shaking martini glasses, uh, depending on uh, you know shake the glasses, martini shakers. That's what you're going to be shaking, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll do I'll that. Shake the glass if you want me to. I mean, uh, shaken or stirred, I'll, I'll take it either way. But if you guys would like to share your recipes with us or, or anything else, you just want to hit us up and talk to us and just chat. You can do so by talking to us at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. If you have any game recommendations, we'll be taking those. Uh, party games, card games, drinking games, rolling rights, anything that you can find that's uh, fairly easy to play over webcam, or we can get a copy of it on Tabletop Simulator. Send those suggestions our way, roughdraftgames at gmail.com. The next time you get blackout drunk and search the deep web, and hopefully you might end up on our website, roughdraftgames.com, where we have other episodes of Roll and Move, posts like our thematics, which also have um, recipes for drinks if you ever stumble upon those. And of course, a uh, uh, little sub page about our game, All Rise, um, which hopefully we'll be able to sell on there as well uh, in the coming weeks and months. And lastly, but certainly not least, we would like to thank those of you who have gone to iTunes and rated us five stars on the podcast O meter. I don't know what they call it, but that's what I call it. I also know that it helps us with the algorithms, it helps us appear in people's search search options when they when they punch stuff in, whatever they're looking for. Whether they're looking for gardening videos, they're gonna find us. They're looking for, you know, parenting advice podcasts, they're gonna find us. And uh, in order to make that wonderful vision of reality that I have uh, actually true. 
uh, we might need a little bit of help along the way. So I thank those of you who have given us five stars. And if you haven't, please do so. We are very, very grateful for those of you who do. And uh, if you actually leave a comment or a review for, on the podcast recommending a game, we will get it and we will play it and we will talk That's about true. it on the show. 100% true. All right, they're probably sick of listening to hearing this very subpar microphone I'm talking into, Garrett. What, what can we do, huh? What am I going to do? I think they're going to have to blow into the breathalyzer, and as long as they're blowing uh, triple zeros, we're going to let them drive on home. But uh, guys, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Until then, take care.